You're listening to the teaching podcast of The Crossing Church. We exist so that the real you can have a daily encounter with the real Jesus in word and deed. For more information about our church, visit crossingparagold.com. everybody. Hey, if you have a Bible, let me invite you to go to Luke chapter 4. And if you are a guest with us today, whether here or online, whether it's at Facebook or our website or YouTube or wherever you may be, I want to welcome you. My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here. And on behalf of the the members and the pastors, we want to thank you for joining us. Um, we are an imperfect family who all stand in need of one perfect person together, and that is Jesus Christ. Um, he is where our hope is, and he is all that we have. And so if you are interested in being a part of our imperfect family or learning more about us, I uh, would encourage you, if you're online, click on the Connect link that's being dropped right now. Um, or if you're here in person and you want more information, there's a Connect card in the back of the seat that's in front of you. Grab that before you leave. Fill out some information about yourself and just leave it there in the seat. And that'll just be a way of us having a record of your visit and uh, seeking to serve you and love you to the best of our ability. Um, Again, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4 today as we continue in our series that we've entitled Ghost Stories. And the whole idea of this series, the reason we've launched this, um, is because we really want to raise the expectations of what it means to be the church. Uh, More than we want to be a church um, that is known for good programs or good preaching or more than we want to have a nice building or a big budget, um, we really want to be a church that is known for being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And therefore, as a result, whenever people are around us, uh, they're not just talking about this program or this person or, or how nice you are or how cool you are or whatever, but we want people to look at your lives and by how you live and by how you speak to say, clearly, Jesus must be alive. Like That is what we are after. And this week, as we continue in our series, ironically enough, um, as COVID continues to spike in our city, um, we're going to talk about the ministry of healing. And the very first time that I guess I really began to take this ministry seriously was back in 2012. Um, our church had not officially launched yet, and there was about 10 of us at Randy Rogers' warehouse for a little prayer meeting. And Hannah Jackson, who is in our church, had been having these really severe migraines. Uh, Her face had gone numb on one side. Her vision was blurred. She was having a lot of nausea. Uh, The medicine wasn't touching it. And so Matt um, decides to bring Hannah to our prayer meeting for us to lay hands on her and to pray for healing. And so Hannah comes. We all circle up. We lay hands. We pray. We get done praying. And I remember looking at Hannah and saying, "Uh, what do you feel right now? And she began to cry, and I thought, oh, shoot, like we made it worse. Um, and she said, I don't feel anything. Like the pain's gone. Like God healed me. To which I responded, really? <laughs> you know. Uh, and she didn't even tell me this past week as I was trying to recount the story. She said, like, I remember the look on your face, and you were more surprised than even I was. And, and that is because, though I had read about healing in books, and I'd heard stories about it, um, I, even as a pastor, didn't believe that God really did stuff like this through ordinary people um, like you and like me today. And a, a big reason for that is because, as most of you know, I grew up in what is known as a cessationist background, which is kind of basically a, a non-biblical view of the Bible that says that when the apostles died, the power of the Holy Spirit and the church died with them. And so the gifts, like healing, are no longer available to you and me today. Like, we have the Bible, and that's all that we need. 
And then as I got older and actually started following Jesus myself, I began to read the scriptures and I was like, okay, clearly the gifts are available today, but I'm still not seeing them in the church. So, so they must be very rare. And, and this probably only happens in third world countries, right? Like maybe some of you even like believe that yourself. And, and, and I guess like, you know, as a result of this, for much of my life, I really found it hard to believe that Jesus wants to heal people today, um, like we saw with Hannah. And my guess is that I'm not alone, that, that for some of you even here or watching online, for whatever reason, um, you have begun to believe this as well. And my hope is um, today is we're just going to dive into the scriptures. And I, what I want to do is I want my kind of my goal is to help you see that the ministry of healing, it's not just normative, but it's actually to be expected by disciples of Jesus right here and right now in Paragould, Arkansas in 2020. And so with that in mind, look with me in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, and um, we'll start in verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. So this is a man who is not just suffering from chronic pain, but this is a man who was considered to be ceremonially unclean, which means this man should not have been out of quarantine. Um, he should have been isolated. Uh, this man was not supposed to be around anybody. He was not supposed to touch anybody or be touched by anybody. And so this man is the very definition of an outcast. He is lonely, he is disappointed, he is probably depressed, he is anxious, he's frustrated, he feels like his best years are certainly behind him, and yet he comes out of quarantine, he finds Jesus, and it says in verse 12, when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and began to beg the Lord and says, if you're willing, I know you can make me clean. I've heard the rumors about you, Jesus, I know you can do this. In verse 13, Jesus reached out his hand and he said, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. I wish I could spend more time on this. Um, our Muslim friends that we work with, they're blown away at passages like this because what doesn't make sense to them is how is it possible that an unclean man can touch a clean man and rather than the clean man being made unclean, the clean man makes the unclean man clean. And that blows their mind. And, and I know we don't think in that way, but think of it in the terms of sickness. If you have a sick person and a healthy person, and they come together, what's going to happen? Typically, is the healthy person going to make the sick person healthier? Or the sick person going to make the healthy person sick? Well, we all know. That's why we're wearing masks right now. Like we know, typically, the sick person makes the healthy person sick. We know this. That's why, like, if your kids are sick. Right? And it's a Saturday night. You're not thinking, you know, I better take them uh, to the crossing tomorrow, put them in crossing kids. That way they can get around healthy kids and they'll get better. Right? And if you do think that, don't come to our church anymore. Please, like, find another place to go. Right? Like, we know like, that's just not the way that it works. But here we have a unclean man, a sick man, touching a clean man, a, a healthy man. And rather than making Jesus sick, this guy is healed. We'll love to talk a lot more about that. But in verse 14... Jesus then ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet, the news about Jesus spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and were what? Healed of their illnesses. Healed of their illnesses. Now, there are many more stories that we could look at in the Gospels that are just like this. In fact, somebody actually did the math. 
38.5% of any story you read in the gospel is a story of healing. 38.5%. So that means um, whether it is a man with leprosy or a woman with a fever or a boy who's having epilepsy or a man who literally dies and is raised from the dead, over and over when you read the gospels, you're going to see Jesus healing people. You read a couple stories, then there's a story of healing. You read a couple more stories, then there's a story of healing. And so like, here's just what I want you to understand first thing out of the gate this morning. What this means is that healing was not just a side note in Jesus' ministry, but it actually played a central role in his kingdom work. And this isn't just something we see with Jesus. Turn over with me to Luke chapter 9. Go with me to Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Here's what we read. When Jesus had called twelve together... He gathered them, or he, get, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to do what? To heal those who were ill. So what it's talking about here is the 12, it's talking about the 12 disciples. And if you remember, we've said this before, a disciple is someone who is reorienting all of life around three goals. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and then actually do the stuff that Jesus did. And therefore, it makes sense that Jesus is like, hey, 12 disciples, you've been seeing me heal people. Now I'm giving you that same power to go and do likewise. So he sends them out, verse 6. It says they went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and doing what? Healing people everywhere. So now Jesus' disciples are doing the exact same stuff that we see Jesus doing. And it doesn't stop there. Go with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. Here's what we read. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them out two by two ahead of everyone in town and place where he was about to go. And then he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So Jesus, literally what he's saying here is, look, guys, there is so much ministry to be done in this city. I can't even do it all by myself. So I'm now enlisting you. Like, go out with me in the ministry because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so skip down to verse 8. He said this, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. So Jesus is like, you should never turn down a free meal, okay? And by the way, like, since we're trying to be like Jesus, the same should be true of us. Like, you know, uh, feel free to eat, especially when it's free. And then here's what he says, verse 9. Heal those who are ill and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So why have you been healed? Because the kingdom of God is now breaking into this world. And guess what? In the kingdom of God, nobody's sick. There's no pain. There's no sorrow. There's no suffering. There's no COVID-19. And so he says, when you go and you heal him, you let him know the reason you've been healed is because now Jesus has been breaking his future kingdom into this present world. And so again, here we have people being healed, not just by Jesus, but by his disciples, by ordinary men and women just like you and me. And this is not just something we see in the Gospels. Turn with me over to Acts chapter 8. Kind of last place we'll look for now, and then we'll settle in here. Acts chapter 8. This is after Jesus has left the earth. He's not physically here anymore, and when he leaves, he sends his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if you remember on the day of Pentecost, lands on those who trust in Jesus, and then uh, there's a great persecution, and so the believers who are in Jerusalem are scattered beyond Jerusalem, and here's what happens. Chapter 8, verse 4. Those who had been scattered, talking about by the persecution, were preaching the word wherever they went. How incredible is that? Like They can't stop talking about Jesus. Philip, who, by the way, is not an apostle, 
It's very important you hear that because people who don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit say, well, yeah, you see it in the Bible, but it's only done by apostles. Philip is not an apostle. He's not someone who physically walked next to Jesus while Jesus was on earth. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and he proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. So they're paying attention because of the power that's coming out of his life. They're looking and saying, something's different about this guy. We should probably listen to what he has to say. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were what? Healed. So, and I love this verse. We kind of built our church around this verse. As a result, there was great joy in that city. Now, there are many more places we could look, but here's just my point. Again, according to what we see in the Bible, guys, listen, healing is normative and should be expected by disciples of Jesus. I want to say that again. According to the scriptures, we believe healing is normative and it is to be expected by Jesus' disciples, which then begs the question, why do we see so little healing today? I mean, if it's true that 38.5% of the Gospels are Jesus healing people, and then he sends his disciples out to do the same, why is it that we see so little healing in and through the church today in 2020? And though this is not an exhaustive list, I'll give you four reasons, kind of my top four reasons for why I think we see so little healing. The first reason I think that we don't see as much healing now as we did here in the scriptures is one, because of what I would call secularism. And here's the idea of secularism. Secularism says this, if it can't be measured or proven scientifically, it must not be valid. And so here's what happens in America. If we get sick or if we are hurting or we are in pain, what's the first thing we typically do? We go to the doctor. We go to the therapist. We go take the medicine. And listen, to be very clear, I am not against doctors. I am not against therapists. I am not against medicine. We sent our, one of our sons to the doctor this past week. When I had, you know, thought I had COVID, I went to a doctor, right? Like, we are not against those things here. Like, I'm not some quacky guy. It's like, don't ever go to the doctor, right? So just want to be clear on that. But you need to know, because we live in a secular world where everything has to be proven scientifically, our knee-jerk reaction is not to go to God and pray for healing, but to go to the expert who actually can heal us. Does that make sense? This is why Gordon Feast is the following. It is only among intellectuals in a scientific age that it's thought to be too hard for God to cure the sick. God could never really fix this, so I need to go to somebody who actually really can, a.k.a. the doctor or the therapist or whoever it may be. All right, this is because of secularism, and it's therefore why Mark Sayer said, we as disciples need to desecularize our lives. In other words, rather than being primarily shaped by science, we need to be primarily shaped by what we see in the scriptures. So secularism, that's one of the reasons we don't see as much healing anymore. Secondly, I would say another reason we don't see a lot of healing is what I would call cultural Christianity. And guys, this is the biggest problem in my mind. Like from what I see, like this is by far the biggest problem that we're facing in the church today. Cultural Christianity is basically this. It's the church's attempt to make Christianity safe, comfortable, and fun for the whole family. Cultural Christianity is this idea that you can wear the Jesus brand in order to fit in, but you don't have to adopt the Jesus life. And so what happens is we're basically taught by even pastors that, that you don't really have to bring all of your life under the lordship of Jesus. Just live like everybody else in the world and try to shove Jesus into the nooks and crannies of whatever's left over. 
That's what cultural Christianity is. And as a result, what do you end up with? You end up with a church that is not Christ-centered and as a result marked by the power of the Holy Spirit, but instead a consumer-driven church that is marked just by the personal preferences of the individuals in that church. Here's what Eugene Peterson says in, in light of that. This is just a little light quote from Eugene Peterson today. A consumer church, which is many churches in America, is an antichrist church. Once we begin to cultivate a consumer-pleasing commodity-oriented congregation, the wheels start falling off the wagon. And guys, are the wheels not falling off the wagon right now? This is why we must not suppress the Jesus way in order to sell the Jesus truth. Just here to encourage you this morning. So why do we experience so little healing? I'd say one is secularism, two is consumerism or what would be called cultural Christianity. Three, I think the reason we see so little healing in and through the church also is because of a real lack of discipleship. As you've heard us say many times before, when we look in the scriptures, guys, it is clear that there is a big difference between a Christian and a disciple. Christians mentioned like two times, a disciple's mentioned 200 something times, and a disciple is someone who reorients all of their life around three goals. Again, goal number one of a disciple, be with Jesus. Goal number two is to become like Jesus. And then goal number three, literally, is to begin to do the stuff that Jesus did, including the supernatural stuff. Now, most of you, I'm guessing, have been told the opposite of that. Like most of you have grown up being told, you can't do the stuff that Jesus did. Like, I don't know if you're anything like me, but, but, but I grew up basically being told the reason Jesus did that stuff that he did was because he was God. But the truth is, we know in the scriptures, God, Jesus emptied himself of his God-like power, and he did what he did through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the whole point of the book of Acts is to say the works that Jesus began to do in the power of the Holy Spirit, this is Acts chapter 1, verse 1, he now wants to continue to do in the church through the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, most of you have just never been taught that. And therefore, as a result, what has Christianity been reduced to? Read your Bible. Pray. Throw money in the offering basket. Be a nice person. And then hopefully die in your sleep at an old age and go to heaven. Now, as exhilarating as that sounds... Fortunately, Jesus has a much greater calling on your life than that. Again, I think of Jesus' words in John 14. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and even greater works than these you will do because I'm going to be with my Father. In other words, because I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. So because we've not been discipled of this, I think we don't believe that these things can happen anymore, including healing, so we just don't experience it. The final reason I would say that we don't, see a lot of healing is because you need to understand this. All healing takes place in a kingdom that is already and not yet. And here's what I mean by that. The kingdom of God is here, but it's not fully here. Um, when we look at Jesus's life, we see the kingdom of God breaking in. We see it breaking in through his life, through his ministry. We still see the kingdom of God today breaking in through the ministry of the church. So the kingdom is here, but it's not fully here. Okay? And, and the way that I can try to explain it is um, I've got this pin oak in my front yard, this tree. There's a picture of it right there. My pin oak is here, but it's not fully here. Like it's got more growing to do. Does that make sense? Like it's here. It's just not like all the way here. And that's the way it is with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God with Jesus, when he stepped on this earth, he began to set it into motion. It began to grow, but it's not fully here yet. And therefore, because that is true, listen, because the kingdom is here, 
There are times where we will pray for people to be healed, and they will be healed. Here's an example. Just this past week, I'm trying to stop telling as many stories that are like years back. Because like if I'm telling stories, by the way, that's like three years ago, that should be a warning flag. of like, okay, is this guy still stepping out in faith? Because he don't have any new stories anymore. Um, last week, my wife, I come home from work. She has over 100 uh, degree temp. She has, you know, her throat feels like it's on fire. She's got body aches. She already had COVID, so she's like, it must be the flu. I don't know what's going on. And she was super discouraged because she had to run like seven or eight miles the next day in order to prepare for her half marathon that was coming up later in the week. And so she goes to get tested, test negative for COVID, test negative for flu, but feels awful. And so before we go to bed that night, um, I just get a little oil and, and put it on her because James says to do that, right? And as weird as that is, like I'm just trying to not go off my experiences, but the scripture. And so I anoint her and I just pray over her that she would feel 100% whenever she wakes up tomorrow so she could do her run and then complete everything she needed to be able to run the half marathon. And guess what happened? Next morning, she woke up, fever's gone, throat doesn't hurt at all, no body ache. She actually goes and runs. And if I'm not mistaken, she actually ended up that day ended up setting her personal best record or got really close to it. And by the way, she was able to keep training. And yesterday, she ran her very first half marathon, and so which is pretty awesome considering this time last year, she could barely run a quarter mile. And so super inspired by that. But here's the deal. Jesus does that kind of stuff. He does. And you can say, ah, it's a coincidence. Okay, fine. But there's all I know. Those coincidences never happen in my life until I begin to step out and pray for people. So because the kingdom is here, there are times we'll pray and people will be healed. But here's the deal. Because the kingdom is not fully here, there are times where we're going to pray for people to be healed. And guess what's going to happen? Nothing. In fact, you may pray for them and they may get worse. As I've seen happen uh, with someone in my life just this past week. And sometimes, not only will they get worse, sometimes you'll pray over them and they'll actually die. Um, I'm starting a, a, a Paragold podcast uh, tomorrow, and one of the first people we have coming on is Blake and Haley Deck. Some of you remember their story. Back in 2017, they're at a stoplight, right? She's pregnant, like 31 weeks pregnant with a baby. She has another child, three years old. They get rear-ended and killed both of their children. And, and you may remember, whenever they were in the accident, the children were alive for several hours after the accident. Like, it seemed like all of Paragold was praying for them and beyond. Adam and I actually went down to the hospital in Memphis and prayed for them there. And then later that night, they both died. Like, that happens, right? Because the kingdom is here, some are healed. Because the kingdom is not fully here, there are times we will pray and people are not healed. And listen, guys, we have to learn to live in this tension, we have to learn to live in this tension and not swing the pendulum all the way over here that says people are always healed or to swing it over here to say people are never healed. There are times when we will pray for people and they will be healed. There are times we will pray for people and they will not be healed. And by the way, best case scenario, even whenever people are healed, because we live in a fallen, broken world, they're only going to be healed temporarily. Like people are still eventually going to get sick and die. Um, about two months ago, I was in my office and this man came into my office, and um, he was obviously distraught. I didn't know he was coming in. And he just said, hey, he introduced himself, and he said, look, I, I, um, I've never believed in God my entire life. I still don't know if I do, but I know that you're a man of faith. And my wife just got put on a ventilator, and I've told her I can't see her again because of COVID, but I just bought her a ring because I've, uh, we got married 15 years ago, and I couldn't afford a ring then, and I just was able to save up enough. And as soon as the, the ring came in the mail, she was put on a ventilator, and I can't even talk to her. And would you just please pray that if there is a God, that he would allow me to talk to my wife and see her one more time, be able to give her my ring. And, and here's a guy, by the way, like, as I began to dive into his story, I found out he was just incredibly abused. He had a father who claimed to be a pastor that just used to beat the crap out of him. 
And I just thought like, man, God, no wonder he doesn't believe in you. And my heart just broke for him. And so I just prayed for him right there. And then later that night, uh, my wife and I got on our knees and I said, like, look, I may not need to see a miracle like this, but a guy like this needs to see that. Because all he thinks about you is you're just some sort of cold-hearted bully of a father who could care less about him. And so we got on our knees and we prayed that, that God would give his wife the strength that she needs to wake up, to come off the ventilator, and for him to be able to see her and, and be able to give her the ring. And so we prayed that. A couple days passed, I didn't have his phone number, but he came back into the office two days later and he was crying. And when I saw him, I was, and Heather, I don't think Heather Watson's in here. Uh, oh, there you are, Heather, sitting on the floor. That's neat. Um, and so... Um, Heather was there, so she got to experience all this. This isn't just like preacher talk, okay? And so, like, um, he walks in, he's crying, and I was like, oh, Joe, I'm so sorry, you got bad news. And he said, bad news? I got great news. And he hugged me, and he said, God, he heard your prayers. He sees me. He loves me. My wife, she's not only coming off the ventilator. The doctor said, we can't explain this, but she's not even needed in here anymore. We're going to send her home. And so, like, she comes out of the hospital, goes home, they actually are able to sleep in the same bed together. He gives her the ring, but then three days later, he calls me, and she died. But he, what's crazy is he says, you know what, though? God answered our prayer. He, he gave me. That's all I asked for is that he would just wake her up one more time so I could give her the ring and tell her how much I love her. She didn't know how special she is to me. But here's the thing. She still died. She still eventually got sick, and, and she left. And, and listen, again, that is because we live in a world that is, or a kingdom that is already and not yet. There are times where people will pray, they will be healed, even if it's just temporarily. And then there are other times where we'll pray and people will get worse and they will die. But still, guys, listen, there are times where you will pray and people will be healed. It does happen. It does happen. And when it happens, times like this, with I have this guy, there's no logical explanation. The doctors can't explain it. And it forces you to say, clearly, Jesus, this Jesus that you say you worship, he's alive. And it produces joy in a city. And therefore, that is why, as a church, we really want to run after this more than ever before. So the question is, as we end today, how do we step into this? How do we practice the ministry of healing as a church? Um, and I almost, I'm going to give you kind of some practical steps, and I almost uh, this morning decided not to do this, because here's my fear. I'm afraid that when I give you these practical steps, if you're not careful, you're going to depend more on the steps than on the Spirit. It's not going to always look the same, Okay. And so, like, I don't want you to, like, go hang your hat on a formula and be like, if I do step one, step two, step three, they're going to be healed. Like, does that make sense? But and, and, and out of a fear of, like, that might be your temptation, I still want to give you some practical things and practical tips you can begin to apply to your life to help you step into that, okay? So here's the first one. If you want to begin to step into the ministry of healing, the first thing you have to do is you have to pay attention. When you read the New Testament, the majority of healings that take place, take place on the go. What I mean by that is when you read the stories of healing in the scriptures, most of the time it does not happen in a service like this. And, and sometimes it does. And by the way, after the service, if you want healing or a prayer for healing, like I would love to pray over you. And so we're all about that. But most of the times in the scripture, healing from Jesus or the disciples happens as they are on their way to something else. Does that make sense? Um, and the same is true for you and me. And so a few weeks ago, Adam, one of our, our pastors, um, he was walking with one of his daughters in their neighborhood. And as he's walking, he sees a man walking. I think it was one of his neighbors, was walking down the road. And he said he had an obvious limp. 
And Adam was just with his daughter, right? Like they weren't playing, they weren't going to do ministry, right? Like he was just with his daughter, walking, hanging out, sees a man limping, and he feels the Holy Spirit just being like, go and pray for healing. And by the way, one of the ways you can know, this is just from personal experience now, one of the ways you can know when the Spirit is prompting you to go pray for somebody is not only will you have that thought, but immediately you'll begin to feel some fear. Because what I feel like happened is the enemy's trying to set up a scarecrow to keep you, like, to fly away from that. Does that make sense? Like, you're going to begin to feel a little bit of that little fear mixed with some excitement kind of in there. So Adam began to experience that. So he's like, yeah, I don't think so. But then the Holy Spirit just, again, pressed on his heart, go and pray for healing. So Adam goes up to him, and he says, hey, said his neighbor's name, you know, what happened? I could see you limping. And he said, well, I actually last night fell down my stairs in my house. And he said, you know, my leg hurts. But what hurts way worse than that is my shoulder. He said, literally, I can't even, I can't even raise it beyond this. And so Adam said, do you care if I just pray that, that maybe God would bring healing to your shoulder? And he said, oh, sure, go ahead. And so Adam laid his hand on his shoulder, prayed for healing in the name of Jesus, finishes, and the guy says, you know what? I don't feel any pain anymore. And begins to just raise up his arm like this and gave Adam an opportunity just to point him to the love of the Father and the power of Jesus in his life. Right? And, and again, like this happened as Adam was on the go. Right? Like he wasn't like looking for it. He was just paying attention to the needs around him. And guys, this is often how it works. Like when an opportunity arises, it's not at an event, it's in the everyday stuff of life. And please hear me, if you're too busy, if you're too consumed with your own life, and you're too distracted, right, you're not going to be able to pay attention to how the Spirit is prompting you to also step into these exact same moments, to experience these same opportunities that are all around us. So the first thing you have to do if you want to step into this ministry is you have to pay attention. Secondly, I would say this, when an opportunity arises, you need to ask the Holy Spirit what is actually going on. Sometimes it is obvious what the person needs. Like with Adam's neighbor, it's pretty obvious. I fell down the steps, my shoulder's jacked up. I can probably tell you, here's why your shoulder's hurting. You fell down the steps. Sometimes it's very obvious, other times it is not. And in those moments, you need to ask the Holy Spirit, what is actually at play here? What is the root cause that is leading to this illness or this pain? And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes people will experience sickness and pain simply because we live in a fallen world. Whenever sin entered into the picture, right, brokenness and disease and all that came into the world with it. But then other times, it's not because of a fallen world that you're experiencing sickness and pain. It's because of your own personal sin. It's because you refuse to repent of something that you are doing or not doing that you know God has told you to stop doing. I think of that verse in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 30, where Paul says, It is because your sins that many of you are weak and ill and some have died. So sometimes, guys, listen, that pain in your gut after all those scans and everything, you're like, I can't figure it out. Sometimes it's because of a fallen world. Other times it's because you're looking at pornography. Or it's because you have bitterness in your life. Or you have sin that you have left unchecked and unabated that you have refused to deal with. Third, sometimes we experience sickness and pain because of trauma. Uh, I don't have time to go into this, but there's a great book out there called The Body Keeps the Score. And it's this idea of our bodies, we hold memories and therefore with it trauma. And if we have not dealt with trauma in a really you know, healthy way, trauma from our childhood or wherever, it can make us anxious, it can make us depressed, and it can begin to cause all sorts of physical ailments in your life. So sometimes there's emotional healing that has to happen for you to experience physical relief. Does that make sense? And then lastly, I would say um, there are times where you experience pain and sickness because of demonic forces. Some of you remember me telling this story. Um, I guess it was last year, 
beginning of last year. I'm trying to remember when it was. Heather, I think, might have been here for this as well. But um, there is a, a Muslim woman that we've been working with um, named Hafiza, and she was experiencing a lot of pain. Her husband called me and said, Pastor Jared, I want you to pray for Hafiza, which, by the way, think about how incredible that is. They know that I believe in a different God than they do, but because they see something in me, a power they were seeing in my life and the life of others in this church, they thought there's something about your God that's different than our God, so we want you to talk to your God because our God ain't cutting it. How awesome is that? And so they bring Hafiza up to our church office. We lay her on our uh, couch. She's having this terrific, like, just, you know, um, horrible pain in her back. And so we lay her on the couch. I pray for healing. In Jesus' name, nothing happens. Pray again, nothing happens. I'm just like, all right, God, like, this is on you, not on me, you know? But as I'm thinking that, all of a sudden I felt God say to me, like, you need to ask her if she has seen any evil or experienced any evil, like, your demonic forces at play in her life. Which is like, I've never done that before, by the way. I've never asked anybody that. But in this moment, I was convinced God was asking me to do it. So I just said to her, like, Hafiza, do you sense there's any, like, demonic activity or evil that's at play here? And she looks right at me and she says, oh, yeah. She says, there is a man I've been seeing in red who told me his name is Pain, and he's attaching himself to me. And so I just said, okay, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray right now in the name of Jesus that Pain will leave your body and that he will go out of here and never enter anybody else in our city again. Pray over in Jesus' name that Pain would, would move, he would leave her body, and when that happens, she gets off the couch, begins to walk around, no pain. Her husband lifts his hands in the air, begins to cry. He says, I don't believe it, I see it with my own eyes. Jesus healed her. And I'm like, yeah, Jesus really did heal her. And not only does Jesus want to heal her spiritually or physically, he wants to heal the entire person. Like, 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 but, like get in, like, like the, the sickness, right? the pain she was experiencing, the main thing I want you to get, it was through demonic forces. It wasn't just like, oh, random back pain. And so, like, those times, by the way, I think they're rare. Please don't hear me. I don't think, like, if you've got a headache right now, you're like, ooh, there must be a demon, right? Like, like you know, all of a sudden you've got allergies, and you're like, oh, it's the devil. He's after me. Like, don't do that. That's just be weird and creepy, and you'll lose a lot of friends that way. Um, so I, don't, I, I do believe those instances are rare, but just the point I want to make is sometimes it's obvious why people are experiencing sickness and pain, and other times it's not very obvious. And you have to begin to be, pay attention, not just to the person when they're talking, but to the Holy Spirit and figure out what's going on. And just so you know, the way I do this sometimes is I will literally, we just went and prayed over a woman in our church, I guess a couple of weeks ago, that requested we come and pray as pastors. And I just asked her, like, hey, what we see in the Scripture is sometimes your pain can be caused by this, it can be caused by this, it can be caused by this. Do you have a sense that it's, it's one of these things over the other? And most of the time someone will say, no, it's just the result of a fallen world. Right? And if so, we'll just pray in that way. But again, it's important to know what is going on. Then, once you kind of get a clue of that, third step is this. It's what I would just call appropriate touch. And so you just, you know, lay your hand on the person's shoulder. There's something powerful about that. You see it in the scriptures where, where Jesus or the disciples, they would lay their hands on someone and they would pray for healing, which leads to the fourth point, and that is pray. After you touch, you, you pray. And when you pray, listen, don't pray in a general sense. General prayers get a very general response. Pray specifically. Like I did with Megan. God, I pray that by tomorrow morning when she wakes up, it'll be gone. Right? And pray with faith. Man, I get so tired of our... Our just man, our, our, our weak and timid prayers is just like, hey God, I know this person's sick, and I know you're really busy right now, but we thank you for listening. And hey, I just want to ask, like maybe if you can, like God, just kind of help them to get feeling better. And if you don't want to do that, that's okay. Like your will be done, and whatever you're like, we're okay with that. Like there's no faith in that. And so pray specific prayers, pray with boldness, pray with faith, pray trusting that God desires the wholeness of His people. Pray that He will bring about healing through an ordinary person like you for the good of that person you're praying for and for His glory. 
And if nothing happens, fifth and finally, keep praying. Um, isn't it interesting, in the book of John, there's a blind man that comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, will you heal me? Will you give me sight? And if you remember the story, Jesus prays that his sight will be recovered, and what happens? He says, I can see, but everyone looks like trees. And so Jesus has to pray again that the man will be healed, and the second time it works fully. Don't you think that if there's times where Jesus has to pray more than once for somebody, the same will be true for us? Good chance we'll a lot of times have to pray twice, maybe even more, for someone to experience healing. And it's so important that we get that because I think, you know, so often if someone's not healed immediately, we give up right there. It's like, okay, apparently God doesn't want this person healed. Like, I'm not going to pray again. Like, let's move on. And so I just want to encourage you, keep praying. Keep praying. So to recap, how do we step into the ministry of healing? One, we pay attention Two, we ask the Spirit uh, what's going on. Three, we apply appropriate touch. Fourth, we pray. And then if nothing happens, we just stay prepared to pray again, trusting that God hears our prayers and that he wants us to partner with him in his kingdom work, which is, listen to me, guys, about healing the entire person. Like That's what Jesus is after in your life. He doesn't just want to heal you spiritually. He wants to heal you physically and emotionally and mentally. He wants to heal your entire person. And to remind us of that reality this morning as we get ready to transition into communion, I just want to read Isaiah 53 over you. This is from the prophet Isaiah talking about the day when Christ will come to this earth, and he says this, He has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds we are healed. Guys, this is what Jesus came to do. And by the way, hear this professor before we end. When you get to the New Testament, the same word that is used for healed is the same word that is used for saved. The word sozo. So Jesus is after that. Like, your salvation, he's after healing. Complete and total healing. This is why God gave up his own son for you and for me. It was to come and to live a perfect sinless life we could never live and to go to a cross where at the cross, according to the prophet Isaiah, he took on our pain and our sickness and all of our sins so that when we trust in him, we can be healed. In part now, but one day in full for all eternity. And so, with that being said, as we transition to a time of communion, I just want you, as you take that piece of bread and you be reminded of the life of Jesus on your behalf and you drink the juice, just be reminded that Jesus is a healer, that he wants to bring full and complete healing to you. This is the business that he's up to. And maybe for some of you, listen, like maybe you just need to be honest with God because maybe I just have a sense that there are some of you in here, like you've been praying for healing for something in your life or someone in your life and it's not happened. And the devil has completely discouraged you. And he's convinced you that God is not near and that he doesn't care about you or he doesn't care about that person in your life, that he doesn't want to do things like he doesn't want to heal you or heal others. And maybe just in this time, you might just want to just share that with Jesus. And then just ask him again as you take communion, just be reminded just to, to let him fill you up afresh with his love, with his faith, to know that Jesus is not condemning you for the way that you believe or how you believe. Like there's a reason for that. He wants to be very gentle and come near to you.
And then here's what I want to do. If you're you know, a disciple of Jesus, take of communion. If you're not a disciple of Jesus, rather than receiving this, receive Jesus today. Receive the Holy Spirit. Ask him to come into your life. Don't just try to make Jesus a brand. Don't just say, like, yeah, Jesus, like, I want to give you this part of my life and that part of life, but, but like, all this stuff I want to, like, kind of keep separate. Like, no, like, bring all of your life under his lordship today. And if you have questions about what that looks like and what your next step would be, I'll be up here in the front. would love to connect with you about that. As I shared earlier, um, also for anyone in here who maybe is experiencing a physical ailment, um, whatever it may be, I want to encourage you, if you want prayer, um, I will be up here after the service, I believe Luke is, is that right? You're going to be able to be up here as well. Um, we'd love to, to just pray over you um, before you leave. And so if that's something you would desire, then just come meet us up here and we'll pray together. With that said, I do want to invite the band to come forward, you to stand with me. And when you're ready, I'm going to pray for us. When you're ready, you can partake of communion. And then we'll sing another song together to Jesus. And then we'll be dismissed. Father, I know that there are those in this room and watching online who are experiencing a lot of pain right now, a lot of sickness and discouragement. It's so easy for a sermon like this to seem, um, I don't know, maybe like it's, like it's not real, like Jesus, that you really don't move in these ways anymore. And I know even in my own life, there are times where I feel like that father who says, I believe, but help my unbelief. I do pray for our church and that you would guard us from discouragement, that you would guard us from cynicism. I pray that you would reveal to us if there are reasons why we have not been experiencing healing in our life, why that may be. And that you would just help um, us, God, to, to have an extra measure of faith. That you really begin to believe, not just based off of our experiences. I really believe that's true of our church right now, Jesus. That, that, that so many of us only believe what is true of you based off of our own experiences and not what you tell us in the Bible. And we just apologize for that. We ask for forgiveness for that. I pray that we would just trust that you are who you say you are and that you do everything that you say that you do. And I pray that as a result, that this would be a community of healing that the people in our community would be healed and people in our city as a result of this church and what you are doing, Holy Spirit, through us will experience healing, that they will experience your power in such a way that people will not be able to deny that, Jesus, you truly are alive. I thank you for your salvation. I thank you for all you've accomplished for us through Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray and ask these things. Amen.